You're listening to the Colonial Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast in Kingsport, Tennessee. We are a community committed to prayer, radical hospitality, and intentional invitation. Our epistle lesson is again from Timothy, this time 2 Timothy, uh, the first chapter, verses 1 through 14. Hear now God's words for you. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, for the sake of the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I am grateful to God whom I worship with a clear conscience as my ancestors did when I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I am sure lives in you. For this reason, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you with the laying on of hands. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Do not be ashamed, then, of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. But join with me in suffering for the gospel and relying on the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For this gospel I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher, And for this reason, I suffer as I do, but I'm not ashamed, for I know the one in whom I have put my trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard until that day what I have entrusted to him. Hold to the the standard of sound teaching that you heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Guard the good treasure entrusted to you with the help of the Holy Spirit living in us. This is the word of the Lord. The word is faith. The entirety of our understanding about God in Jesus Christ really falls under the rubric we call faith. Do we have faith? Do we have enough faith? Do we practice our faith? And a hundred more questions about, well, faith. What is faith? My favorite definition is trust. Trusting that God is who God says He is, that Jesus Christ is who He says He is, and that He walks with us and loves us even when we're less than faithful. But faith can also have something to do with believing something, can't it? Aren't there certain things we're supposed to believe? Faith can also be, according to what we read from Paul in 2 Timothy, about courage, about the power to do good, about love, about discipline, about duty. I suspect faith is larger than any and all of our attempts to define it. 
And yet, ultimately, faith is always a gift. God gives us faith. We can't make more of it, no matter how hard we try by ourselves. Now, we live in a culture and a nation that is governed by a constitution. And we have certain rights that are guaranteed to us. And we're pretty proud of those. We like that fact. Life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, you know, all those things that we want to talk about. And as I said, that pleases us very much. But when we talk about those freedoms, we rarely express much gratitude because we see them as rights. Everybody's supposed to have them. How how are you grateful for something you believe you already deserve. It's already given to you. And yet the church always teaches that faith is a gift. You cannot be born with faith. Faith must be given. You can't discover Christianity through long walks in the woods, rummaging around in your ego, or thinking deep thoughts in the library. You must receive faith. You must be given faith in Christ by someone else. Faith is taught and faith is a gift all the way through. What impresses Paul as he wants to talk to young Timothy is that faith often comes through our ancestors. And in this case, Paul gives thanks when he writes to Timothy for his mother and his grandmother, Lois and Eunice, and for the faith which is alive in you because of that. Faith in this case is a divine treasure that is handed down. It is passed on. Several years ago, I went back to seminary for a little while, took a couple of classes with the thought that I might attempt to finish a terminal degree. You all know what a terminal degree is, a doctorate. Well, I stopped doing that when I realized that if I went far enough to pursue the terminal degree, it was going to be terminal to me. (laughs) But in one of those early classes, a phrase was said, You've probably heard me use it. I use it when I train elders. I've used it in many classes I've taught. But it was a bit of a, I'll call it a revelation for me. The teacher said, I want you to think right now. So I'm saying that to you. Think right now. Who is the first person who told you about Jesus? Who is the first person? Who told you about Jesus? In my experience, almost everybody will say a family member, and 90% of those say it was mom or maybe grandmother. And that's Timothy's experience too. Sometimes we lament our lack of faith. We wish we had greater faith, greater assurance, bolder belief. But if you listen to the gospel lesson today, Jesus assures us that faith, even a little faith, 
the size of a grain of mustard seed, goes a very long way. Maybe we don't need spectacular amounts of faith. Maybe we only need enough faith. And that Christ will take and use the faith that we do have the way Christ intends. In going about our life and going about our normal everyday duties, as we fulfill the responsibilities of being disciples, we're showing faith. Sometimes we must act as if we have faith, even when we're not sure we really believe it. You have to act like it until faith becomes rich enough and deep enough for you to claim it. As it was written in a movie some years ago, fake it till you make it. Sometimes you have to live in to faith whether you really deep down think it's there or not. In the gospel, the disciples say to Jesus, increase our faith. I'm going to guess you've had those moments too. I've sure had those moments. In many ways, that's what we do every time we show up here. Increase our faith. And really, in some ways, Paul is addressing that when he talks to young Timothy. We don't know all the circumstances that surrounds the ministry of Timothy, we think, in Ephesus. We know he is a young pastor there. We do not know all the things that are going on in that church. Was it a troubled church? Paul's letter to the Ephesians is actually pretty positive. But clearly Paul admires and respects Timothy. But he also has concerns for him and his work. And so that's why he writes. The disciples asked Jesus, maybe Timothy asked Paul, and that's where we got the letter. We live in a modern world that seems to be corrosive to faith. I look around, you look around, and you know there's less people in this worship service than there were 10 years ago. You've got friends, you have relatives that you know aren't in church today. Faith means a lot to you. You wouldn't be here. Nobody made you come. Well, if you're a kid, maybe somebody made you come. But as adults, you're here because you want to be. But the lack of that want to in the community can become difficult for us. Why don't more people share that sense of faith we have in Jesus? So the disciples implore, increase our faith. I hear people talk sometimes that their faith seems to shrink. And then I hear folks talk about a childlike faith. Unfortunately, oftentimes we use a childlike faith, meaning we're longing to go back to a stage in our lives where we just took in everything and thought it was right without ever having to think about it. And I suspect that's not very helpful either. We find that as we grow up, many of the things that we used to simply take as a fact, we've got some questions about. Some people get faith when they're young. 
Lots of you here did. You got it through mom and grandmom or somebody else. But you live and life gets complicated. What do we say about college students oftentimes drifting away from church when they get to college? Almost everyone did. You pray and hope they come back eventually, but it doesn't always work out. People are pulled in a thousand different directions. Youthful determination seems to go away. But some of you came to faith later. You were more mature. Maybe that makes it easier for you. I don't know. I was a child of the church, so I only know the first way. And some people never really believe that their faith has any strength. They never quite find the faith they think they ought to have. And yet, if you look at their lives, they're living not only good productive lives, but they're oftentimes living a life that looks very much like we want a disciple's life to look like. If any of those things sound like you, these texts are for you. From the sound of today's text, Paul recognizes that Timothy needs some encouragement. And so that's the first thing he does. Don't we all need some encouragement? Isn't that what every one of us would like to have? And so Paul takes his rather straightforward approach. He reminds him that he has confidence in him. He reminds Timothy that he does have faith. And he's confident in the faith that he has. The next thing he does, he reminds Timothy he's got family traditions. You've got a mother and a grandmother. We know, not from this particular text, that Timothy's father was probably Greek. His mother was Jewish. Mother and grandmother had both come to the faith. So Timothy is born, as we say, into the church. And yet faith is always a gift. Somebody had to pass it on to him. But then Paul also reminds Timothy that he's been set apart. You know, we do it here every time we ordain elders, the laying on of hands. And that's what the word Paul uses here. That's where we get it. Probably he's reminding him of his ordination. And finally, he says, and remember this you're not alone. It's not just you. It's not just you and God. It's you and all those faithful saints from the beginning to now. In the gospel lesson, the disciples have been following Jesus for quite a while. We're now more than halfway through Luke, and following Jesus is getting harder. Maybe it was easier in the beginning. Maybe that's why they ask, give us more faith. Increase our faith. Because it's getting tougher. Jesus is saying lots of things they don't like or understand. About having to go to Jerusalem, about dying, about all those things that makes them pretty worried. And then Jesus says, if you only have the faith the size of a mustard seed. Ah, there's lots of scholarly debate about what mustard they're talking about, and I don't guess it matters. Obviously, we're talking about something very tiny. The head of a pin, perhaps. 
had, uh, <clears throat> had blueberries yesterday for breakfast. You know, it took me all day to get the seeds out from between my teeth. Maybe it's that size seed we're talking about. If you have faith that size. And Jesus says you'll be able to do spectacular things, but do you really think Jesus was talking about pulling up a mulberry tree and throw it in the ocean? No. That was the metaphorical example my suspicion is, is that Jesus is encouraging those disciples to do the work of discipleship, to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to lift up the poor, to do those work of the Spirit. That's what's really being encouraged. And don't you think the disciples probably were? It encourages me. Maybe, maybe they don't need to have a dramatic increase in faith. Maybe the real key is to use the faith you already have and put it to work. Inner city pastor tells the following story. He says, the homeless in the city loved to congregate around the church. We had various porticos and things they could get out of the weather in. We tried our best to get them to go to homeless shelters, but we were singularly unsuccessful. And what resulted in was, is that every Sunday morning there was trash and there was litter all over where people were trying to come into church. And it was the sort of things you really don't want to see on your way into church. Use needles, little baggies. You can think of the kinds of things that would be there. The refuse of bottles and cans. So the church debates, what should we do about this? And they decide it's an annoyance but if we run them off, how are we going to be the church? So then one Sunday he says he came in very early and he noticed there was no trash. So he asked the janitor if he had come in early and removed the trash. He said no. So then another week goes by and again he comes in early and this time he finds an elderly woman, member of the congregation, who is caught picking up the trash. And so he commends her and she says, well, I discovered that if I came in early and brought coffee and gave it to the men, because it's mostly men, they'd help me pick this stuff up. I really didn't want any praise for this. I really didn't want anybody to know I was doing this. There very few things, she says, that I can do for my church anymore. I don't work. I don't have a huge income. I can't give a lot. But this is one thing I can do. I've learned some of these people's names, and they call me the little old church lady. I can do this much for Jesus. Faith of a grain of mustard seed or a blueberry pit. Maybe you don't need the huge amount of faith you think you do. Maybe you just need to put to work what you've already got. From time to time, the church asks people to volunteer to do things, teach Sunday school, work with the youth, build a habitat house, lots of things, go on a mission trip, and sometimes go on mission trips to scary places. 
And most people don't volunteer. And you know what? It's okay. Not everybody's called to all that stuff. But everybody can still contribute. You do it with offering. You do it with your prayers. You do it with your presence. You do it with your encouragement. You think those things don't count? Of course they do. The folks who want to go can't go unless you're standing there behind them. I just thought of this. A World War II statistic. Did you know that for every soldier who saw combat in the Second World War, there were another nine? Only 10% ever saw combat. The rest of them were in a support role. Isn't that the way the church works? We're all doing something. And you can't win the battle or you can't service the church unless everybody's doing their piece. Faith's a gift. We know that. You can't make more of it. I'm not sure how much we get to grow faith. I think faith probably does grow, but once again, I'm not sure how much we have to do with that. And how much it has to do with God and the people God put us in touch with. My suspicion is, is that's how any growth ever comes about. But in that regard, faith is a little bit like stewardship. You're never asked to give what you don't have. God doesn't ask you to do stuff you can't do. Even faith is first given before you can share it. I see, I think that's comforting. I think that's helpful for us as we look out on a world that we don't always like the way it looks like it's going. And so for this Sunday, we're reminded that faith is not only a gift, but it's a matter not of the quantity but maybe the quality. Faithfulness, even having a little bit, may be nothing more than doing our duty. What a wonderful idea. Just do what God's told you to do. That's what Paul reminds Timothy. Again, we started this sermon reminding us that faith is always a gift. But sometimes in that we lose the affirmation that while faith is a gift, God commissioned us to be tellers of the story. And so while we've received the gift, we're also commissioned to give the gift. And the question for every one of us becomes, not just today, but every day of life, who are you telling the story to? Who did you first tell? The story of Jesus. That's the, that's the question. Think on these things. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening to the Colonial Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. 
For more information about our faith community, visit us online at chpres.org.